12, Episode 3. Please proceed with caution. This podcast contains explicit material. Welcome to 12 with Sarah Sloan, a podcast series exploring the 12 different ways a woman is apparently able to orgasm. I want to empower women and those who adore them by exploring the female erotic. I'm on a quest to learn more about my sexual desires and improve my relationship with myself, my body, and my partner of 10 years, referred to here as H. We're having a lot of fun figuring this stuff out together. He's certainly on his own journey, but I'm focusing on the female perspective here. This episode is dedicated to the U-spot. Spots, spots, glorious spots. The U-spot is so named because it refers to the area surrounding our urethras. Yes, folks, our pee holes. Some people also say that it is called the U-spot because you make the shape of an upside-down U when stimulating it. N-spot then, no? But hold this thought because as well as being named after the urethra, the shape is important. The clitoral network that I made reference to in the G-spot episode comes into play for the U-spot too. Ah, that buried treasure. And once again, it is less of a spot, more of an area or zone. The urethra is above the vagina and is surrounded on three sides by the clitoris. When your U-spot is stimulated, the erectile tissue surrounding the urethra fills with blood, triggering the skein's gland to produce fluid, yes, gushing fluid, and you become turned on. German gynaecologist Grafenberg, who died in the 50s and who the G-spot was named after, was one of the first Westerners to report cases of women discharging, quote, an ejaculate-like substance from the urethra during orgasms. Hippocrates and the Kama Sutra also both mention female semen. Many of us will recognise what Grafenberg described as squirting or gushing, both words we can improve upon. Squirting is my preferred term, but it is pretty childish. And for me, the term gushing undermines the amazing experience a woman has when she ejaculates. I think it makes it sound like an effusive physical response to the male lover. Oh my, you are just so amazing. I have to gush everywhere in appreciation. The word gushing means exaggerated enthusiasm, suggesting this female form of pleasure isn't authentic in some way. Squirting is now a big deal bringing up over 110,000 results on one of the internet's biggest porn sites. The U-spot seems to be a lesser-known term, but I suspect a lot of people know that this part of them is very sensitive. Too sensitive for most to simply touch without lubrication, which is why, when playing with the U-spot, you need either a lot of lubrication or a partner who is excited about the prospect of giving you oral pleasure. In addition to being well lubricated, this area also needs a light touch. Touching too roughly or without lubrication for most people is not going to be pleasurable. The motion that you're looking for is a light sweep in a semicircle around the urethra. Although some U-spots extend above the urethra, so it can be a good idea to explore the whole area. Why not? Some people recommend that lovers flick their tongues lightly around it. Nothing too crazy difficult here, and nothing too contentious either. No scientist fighting over whether it exists, 
which was the case for the G-spot up until recently. The U-spot owes everything to the clitoris, an organ which, listeners, has only one purpose. Ah, <sighs> to give women pleasure. You've got to love that. So, did it bring me any? Once again, H and I found ourselves in bed at 7.30pm, both grinning at the prospect of finding the next spot. Although, I'm not going to lie, I was a little apprehensive. More on why, shortly. And I also needed to get into the mood. The week before, when finding the G-spot, I was raring to go. This time, I could tell I was going to have to consciously relax. It had been a tough week, with my youngest being sick, tricky stuff to deal with at work, and not a lot of sleep. So I put into practice some advice I had read during my research of what to do to get in the mood. I chose the simplest ones that didn't require trying anything new. Hugging, compliments, and eye contact. So we started with lots of lovely long hugs, between which I asked H to tell me how wonderful I was. It felt pretty forced to start with, I'm not going to lie, but despite being set up, it was still great to be given compliments, and apart from anything else, it made me laugh and distracted me from my busy mind. We also spent a lot of time looking each other straight in the eye. Some of you may laugh nervously when you hear this. I was dismissive at first. In my mind, it all sounded potentially forced and too intense. However, it was actually pretty fantastic. I now know how important all these acts are to women from a scientific point of view, but the benefits feel like common sense to me. So in my own words, all of these acts are by their nature tender, and I think this can often be lacking from 21st century sexual experiences. Cuddles are reassuring and relaxing, they make me feel safe and help me get into the moment. Hugs are also an opportunity for me to breathe in H's smell. I once had a boyfriend who was generous in bed, handsome, smart and really going places. We weren't right for each other, but it took me four years of dating him to work that out. If only I had known then how important smell is, I would have left him in those first few weeks when I remember thinking that I didn't like the way he smelt. I would have saved myself a lot of time. George Pretty and his team of chemists found that male sweat makes heterosexual women more aroused, calms them down, and also, wait for it, increases their fertility levels. It all comes down to surges of a hormone that is released into the women's brains when they smell their mate. According to Pretty, this hormone is key to female sexual desire and plays an important role in triggering ovulation. Being told how wonderful I am makes me feel loved and secure. He's here for me, and loves only me. I'm not simply providing a solution to his sexual needs. And finally, if I look deep into his eyes, I can see how he feels about me. H has beautiful eyes, lots of different shades of gold, light brown and dark brown. I found staring into them both exciting and reassuring. I saw his pupils dilate a sign of someone being in love with you, and I also saw the strength of his feelings. Awe-inspiring, really, that you can see all of that in someone's eyes. But you know what they say, they are the windows to the soul. Apparently, in the wild, courtship between primates involves a lot of deep eye-gazing. It is an act that speaks to thousands of years of evolution, and for what it's worth, I think it makes sense to honour that fundamental need. 
I wish H and I were more physical on a day-to-day -day basis. We see each other a lot, but more often than not, I get to the end of the day and realise that we haven't connected at all, apart from asking questions relating to logistics, asking each other to do something, or at best sharing news. But we are making more of an effort to hug each other, exchange a quick kiss and a look. It makes me feel more relaxed and happier when we do. I do feel differently when embarking on sex if we build from here. Before 12, however, I wouldn't have shared my preference, or more accurately, my need for this pre-foreplay with anyone. This approach to our sex lives is adding a sense of freedom, however, which makes me feel like I can be really open about what I need, and because we are trying new things, we are approaching each encounter with an understanding that there is no right or wrong. So far, it has made it all more fun and open. We've laughed a lot. I'll keep you posted on where the other ten take us both physically, but also in terms of our relationship with one another. This encounter, searching for the U-spot, was no different. H said he wanted to find it during oral sex, which I was delighted about. But this is where my apprehension cut in. Like so many women, I'm not brilliant at receiving. I am much more comfortable giving, and I guess that does have an impact on me in the bedroom to some extent. Don't get me wrong, I look out for my own needs and pleasure during sex, but being honest, this U-spot business felt like it was going to require a substantial amount of receiving, something I find hard to do. When I'm giving pleasure, my internal dialogue is not a huge problem. I'm busy giving. But when I'm lying there receiving pleasure, well, I find it's harder to switch off completely, and my internal dialogue will go something like this. Wow. That feels great. Oh, bless him. This is absolutely amazing. <sighs> so relaxing. Oral sex is great. Feels like, feels like I'm melting. Glad I had a shower. Hmm, I could lie here forever. God, I hope he's okay down there not getting too bored or tired. He's not making any noises. Perhaps I should let him off the hook. He's been going some time now, and so on. I was listening to Late Night Woman's Hour recently, and the fabulous Chadira, also known as Slumflower, cracked me up when she pointed out that there are sections in the supermarkets across the land dedicated to women's hygiene and making the vagina smell and taste sweet but not one product for making men's balls tasty. She went on to stress the importance of women being comfortable with smelling musty, or however you smell. A friend of mine said that her partner hated it when she shaved her pubic hair because he loved the natural state and smell of her. Awesome. I didn't have an orgasm through the U-spot, but it did feel fabulous having H focus on that area. I've experienced pleasure from my U-spot before, but no one has ever stimulated it for such a long time. The sex that followed was heightened, and my U-spot adventure definitely improved the overall encounter. But hand on heart, I wouldn't say that the clitoral orgasm that followed felt hugely different. My orgasms have changed over time, and sometimes I feel sad about the fact. When I was in my 20s, they were fiery, dramatic, intense affairs that made me gasp and yelp and sometimes think I was going to explode with pleasure but not anymore. These days, as I mentioned previously, they are quieter affairs. 
They feel calmer and more grown up. Like me, I guess. Research, however, suggests that I'm giving up too easily and that there is lots to be potentially excited about. According to the science, as you get older, you create more pathways between the genitals and the brain, which means that there is, in fact, even more capacity for pleasure. Promising. Overall, the U-spot was a brilliant addition to our repertoire. Do I think I could have a U-spot orgasm in the future? Yes, very possibly. However, what I've learnt is that I would benefit from relaxing further and becoming more open to receiving pleasure. Now I just have to figure out how to do that. My initial thoughts are that it will take time. Kim Anami, sex and relationship coach and vaginal weightlifter no less, talks about carving out three hours a week to have sex, a three-hour session a week, yet another thing to find time for. But part of me does wonder whether this makes more sense than, say, the craze of tidying and clearing out your clutter using the power of joy. I respect this utterly, but for me, I'd rather have an incredible three-hour sex session with H than spend hours folding my socks in the right way. Isn't it a case of prioritisation? And yet I'm thinking it would still be hard to commit to that, week after week. I can see H and I would stick to it for, say, two or three weeks, and then life would get in the way. But this brings me to another important topic. Spontaneous sex versus scheduled sex. Up until recently, I would have said to you that spontaneous sex is the only sex. In fact, when H used to try and organise time for us to make love, I'd get frustrated, thinking he was taking the fun out of our sex life. For most of my life, I have chased the dream I have been sold thousands of times in the movies. Couples come together with equal passion at the same time, move on to earth-shattering pleasure and end up in a heap of ecstatic post-orgasm hugs, sharing meaningful insights into their lives and their feelings for each other. But over the last few years, I've realised that scheduled sex can be as much fun, if not more fun, than a spontaneous encounter that has to be cut short because of an overlooked conference call or an overwhelming sense of exhaustion. Scheduled sex makes me feel excited that it is definitely going to happen. Scheduled sex means I can plan for no interruptions. It also means I can clean my teeth and H can have a shave. He can pick a playlist, we pretty much always make love to music, and we have time to build up to the fun, rather than feeling rushed, which just doesn't suit either of us. So I'm all for carving out three hours a week. Sign me up. H, what do you think? Perhaps in years to come, when the kids are a little older, it is certainly something to aspire to. But for now, I'm excited that the U-spot is in our lives. It's an easy zone to find and a simple way to get the juices flowing. Next is the A-spot, also known as the deep spot or second G-spot. Follow and connect via Instagram at 12 for pleasure Thanks for listening.